All right, good morning and welcome to all of our campuses and whether you're online or somebody gave you a CD, my name is Matt. We're one church, five locations, excited to be live here in our Ringo campus. Thanks for joining us this morning. A couple of things just to announce and make sure you put on your radar. Uh, first is first Wednesday coming up, December 5th. That's two Wednesday nights from now. That's our prayer, worship, and communion service. And also once a year, we'll pause and uh, present our annual budget and ask for all the members of the church to uh, affirm that as it's gone through a process of our staff, our stewardship team, and then most recently, our elders. You can take a look at how we arrive at the budget and what it actually is proposed for 2019. There's also a way to submit your questions uh, if you have questions about it. So we just invite you to be a part of First Wednesday. And as we pray and cast, and cast vision and prepare our budget for what we hope and pray is a great 2019. Hard to believe we're already talking about that. We end a message series today, and we start one next week. It's our Christmas series called Tangled Up. Uh, if this looks like you getting out your Christmas lights, we're going to talk about why sometimes things just tend toward chaos, and what we're specifically going to talk about is our relationships and how, you know, your relationships were good. It's like your Christmas lights were good until you open the box a year later, and so we'll dive into that. But today, we're going to close the chapter on a series you've helped us design called I Believe in God. Hey, I believe in God, but I have all these questions or I have these concerns, and we sort of came up with a top five. And this week, our Believe in God but is this. Hey, I believe in God, but I don't hear Him. <clears throat> I want Him to be in control, but I feel no peace or no guidance. I uh, believe in God, but how do I let go of the steering wheel, and how do I know what God wants me to do? So let me make a couple of caveats. This is a frustrating thing for most people who uh, try Christianity or want to walk with God, and, and it's frustrating for a couple of reasons. One is you, you open up the Bible, which we encourage you to do on your own, and uh, you, you, you read like Paul or you read like Moses in a burning bush. You're like, God, he got a burning bush. I just hear crickets, you know, uh, something wrong with me. And, and so we sort of think that what happens here is should be our, you know, we should get the same thing. Uh, we'll talk about that a little bit, but we have to realize sometimes there's exceptions and then we're talking about normal operation. Let me talk about this as well, that when, when I say hearing from God, I mean things that are sort of gray areas. I don't mean thou shalt not murder. You don't need a, any more clarity on that one, okay? I don't mean don't give up the habit of meeting together, which commands us to gather together in, in, in worship and Bible study. Uh, you're not going to get any more clear, clear. So if you have a verse, you don't need a voice because the verse is the voice of God. And we talked about that last week. But when it comes to areas of, hey, I, I, I'm not sure if I should say yes to this or no to this. I'm not sure about college or career. I'm not sure about this conversation. Those areas where you need something or you need some wisdom, some insight, some direction or clarity, that's what I'm going to talk about. That's, that's what I mean by this. Now, here are a couple other things for us. When, when God communicates to us, He's not going to overwhelm us, which He could easily do. And, and if, we, if He overwhelmed us, we would fall down, face down, and, and just be overwhelmed by Him, and we wouldn't be able to function. Anytime God was abundantly clear, people just got messed up. And we, they just walked around messed up. You know, they come to arrest Jesus, and uh, they say, hey, who are you? And he says, I am. That's the word in the name of God. And all the Roman soldiers just fall down. Okay? 
So when he is, is that clear, you know, we, we lose free will, uh, we lose our ability to choose, and, and we're just like overcome, okay? So I am talking about how God works through your thoughts, through your minds, uh, in a way that is clear and unmistakable, but is in a way where you have to go through an exercise of discernment. So that's what we're talking about. Thankfully for the Bible, it was written by real people like you and me under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, and they wanted to hear from God too. So there's a whole psalm that is very clear about this subject that King David writes for us. It's Psalm 23. So you're welcome to turn a Bible on, open a Bible up, or follow along with me on the screen as we hear David and his cry for clarity and direction. Psalm 25. He says, Lord, I appeal to you or I turn to you. It might be a better <coughs> way to understand it. So God, I want to tune in to your frequency. If you remember the old days of you know, dial turn radios where you had to find the frequency or program your radio in to pick up a certain signal. So God, I'm turning to you. My God, I trust in you. I trust in you. I, I, I want to hear what you have to say. Do not let me be disgraced. Do not let my enemies gloat over me. No one who waits for you will be disgraced. Those who act treacherously without cause will be disgraced. So what David is doing is he's saying, all right, God, I, I, I think I believe you're trustworthy. Trustworthy enough that I'm going to turn to you for my sole source of guidance, and whatever I get from you, I'm going to move in that direction. Now, you, now, let me say this. You have to understand that this is not... God becoming the navigator, God becoming the consultant, God becoming the advisor for you and I to take stuff under consideration. This is God being God. And David saying, all right, God, I recognize you as your, your authority, that you're trustworthy, and I want to do, and he, I want to hear from you and do what you say. So a lot of us, we want to hear from God, and we'll take it under advisement. That's not David's precondition. His precondition is, I'm tuning into you, and whatever you say, I'm going to follow that, or I'm going to obey that, or I'm going to move in that direction. God, if you say left, I'm going left. If you go say south, I'm going south. That's, that's the clarity here. So the first step in hearing the voice of God is this. We have to learn to turn decisively to God and then believe that He is 100% completely trustworthy. So I'm going to turn to God as a trustworthy source, as a trustworthy uh, director, as a trustworthy Lord. I turn decisively to Him. Now, when we do that, we have some competing voices that we have to learn to rule out. And here's some competing voices. I put them in three categories. There's the competing voices of circumstances, people, and the stuff that goes on in your head. So when David writes this Psalms, he's under duress. His circumstances are not good. Some of you Get, believe that God is speaking to you or God is against you because of your circumstances. If money is good and health is good and relationships are good, then you and God are good and you don't need to hear from God or God must be pleased with you and you just believe God speaks to you through your circumstances. The converse is also true. Sometimes when the circumstances are bad, I deal with this one a lot. Is God punishing me? No, he punished his son on the cross. He doesn't have to punish you if your faith is in him. Some Sometimes we look at circumstances like, well, God must be mad at me. God must be upset at me. And we think God is displeased with us, yet everybody in the Bible that God was pleased with went through suffering and adversity. So circumstances, you got to kind of filter that out in order to get to the voice of God. Others of us, we lean on what people say. Like we take an opinion poll 
of our most trusted people, or we want to be popular, or we want this guy to like us, or this girl to like us, or this group of people. And so we go with the voice of popular opinion, and we go with what will give us acceptance and approval, because every single one of us in this room are approval, acceptance, magnets. And we have to learn to find our acceptance in Christ alone. So we can say no to some other crowds and other groups of people. But that tends to be another competing voice. And then in your head, no one talks to you as much as you do. You know that? No one lies to you as much as you do. Amen? Right? I mean, that's just how it works. No one has led you to stupid more than you've led you to stupid. Okay? I mean, it, it just there are voices in our heads, and you can think or talk yourself into fear, into depression. You can talk yourself into atheism. It happens all the time. It happens all the time. The voices in our head start to compete and conflict. So here's what happens. Just like there's radio signals all around us, or cell phone signals might be better, and, and your phone can tune in based on your number and all these frequencies that are assigned by the FCC, inside your head, you've got all these voices plus a God who wants to communicate you, but he will not overwhelm you. So what do we have to learn to do? Begin to filter out. So we can tune in or turn decisively to God and believe that the voice of God is more trustworthy, is more dependable, is more reliable than the voices of my circumstances, the voices of my people, and the voices going off in my head. And then David continues his prayer in verse 4 when he says, Make your ways known to me, Lord. Teach me your paths. Now, there's a clue right here about hearing from God. For all of those, of, all of you who have struggled, and I've struggled with this, God, give me a sign. God, write something on the wall like you did for Daniel. God, light something on fire like you did for Moses. Do anything. There's a, there's a verb here we want to zero in on. It's this word, teach. <coughs> teach. When God speaks to us, it is a teaching process and it is a teaching kind of situation. So it's very rarely a flash of information or a flash of insight. It is a process of learning. Now, to learn something, you and I have to meet two conditions, don't we? We have to be teachable and we have to believe in the teacher. Okay? Whether you're in ninth period history or English class or you're trying to learn from God, you have to believe in the teacher, which is why we said he's got to be seen as 100% trustworthy. And we have to have a teachable spirit. We have to want God's advice. We have to want God to direct us and we have to be teachable to him. So David continues his prayer, but that's an insight for the process. He says, guide me in your truth. And he says it again, two times, teach me. For you are the God of my salvation. God, you have saved me from myself and from my sins. And then listen to what he says. And this kind of appears contradictory. He says, I wait for you all day long. See, I love it when the Bible contra seemingly contradicts itself or creates attention, which is what the Bible does. And, and what, like we said last week, when you get attention, you need to jump into that tension and wrestle with it. So here's the tension. He has been asking God to guide him. He's been asking God to make his way known. And then here, so he says, I wait for information from you all day long. I wait for direction from you all day long. No, no, no. I wait for you. And that is a clue. That is a clue to this process that we 
are, <clears throat> or way, that David is hungering for the person of God more than just a path. He's, he wants God more than God's guidance. And that's key to what we're talking about. And this step then becomes the most difficult step. It's where we have to become neutral and indifferent to anything but God and His will. We have to become neutral, indifferent. God, I don't care. I just want what you want. I want you and your will. Neutral and indifferent. Because here's what we normally do. Like my kids, when my kids come ask me for something, they've already decided what the right answer is. They just need my buy-in or my permission or my wallet to get it, right? You know, like when you, you go, when you go ask your wife for something, you're like, honey, what do you think about this? You've already decided, haven't you? But you need her blessing, don't you? And that's some marriage advice. All right. <clears throat> but you've already decided. And we do the same thing with God, right? We go to God because he's God. And we're like, God, this is what I want. Or this is, and we're not really neutral or indifferent. So we really haven't waited on God. We haven't really gone through a, a process of being teachable by God. We've pre-decided she's the one. We just want God to give us some sign. And, and, and then, you know, we see a bird and we're like, oh, a bird. That must be God. I can marry her, you know? And we just grab onto anything, okay? <clears throat> and that's just what we do because we've already decided what we want and we're not indifferent and we're not neutral. This is the most difficult step. This is the most difficult step. So you have to ask in this teachability spirit that we're talking about that David has, <coughs> excuse me, in Psalm 25, you have to ask what I'll call is the clarifying question. The clarifying question is, what do I really want? And, and, and God's going to take you and I through a process where hopefully what we really want is, his, is him and his will no more. But you have to ask yourself the clarifying question. Now, let's unpack this for a little bit. If we rewound and went back 50, 60, 70 years ago, and you kind of analyzed all, a bunch of sermons that were being preached in the American church and even books that were being written, there were very few books, very few sermons written about hearing the voice of God and knowing the will of God. It was like not, not a popular topic, yet it's in our top five in this series. And if you ask most pastors in America, most pastors are answering questions like we're trying to do today. How do you know what's the will of God? And how do you know which way to go? Now, let me tell you, I think it's a valid question theologically and biblically, but let me just make sure we, as we press into this question, we, we wrestle with something. I think one of the reasons this has become a more popular topic is because we put such pressure on ourselves to make the right decision. And because we're afraid of missing out on happiness, we're afraid of messing up, and, and we've bought into this cultural lie that says, you know, we are to be, we're to be self-actualized individuals, we're to be autonomous individuals, so there's all this pressure on you to pick the right girl, pick the right house, pick the right car, pick the right college, get your kid in the right school, oh God, 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 do something, do something, and really, we're looking at it through the lens of nobody can make a mistake, and I'm going to mess my life up. Up if I go to the wrong school or something. Or, gosh, I, was, you know, I went to Tennessee, but God really wanted me to go to Georgia. Of course he did, right? <laughs> and I, really, I went to Tennessee, I didn't meet, but if I went to Georgia, I'd have met the right spouse. I didn't meet anybody at Tennessee. Now I'm single, and I've messed my whole life up. And so there's all this pressure. And so we come to God with, with, with just all this stuff like baked in, and all this, this stress and everything baked in. And we really don't want God. 
We just want God's navigational abilities. We really don't. We just want happiness, and we just or and we and we've misconstrued what happiness is. Like happiness is a perfect marriage, a perfect family, perfect health, a perfect job in a perfect neighborhood, and kids going to a perfect school. And God can somehow guide us to all those things. And, and so, when we come and ask God for help or clarity or direction, we're probably less interested in God. And what, is it, what it is we perceive God can give us. And that's why we got to go back. I wait for you as long as it takes. I become neutral and indifferent to anything but God's will. And what is it I really want? So let me just zero in on my life for a little bit, okay? Um, so... I, as a little boy, I always wanted to be a doctor. And, I, you know, then I started wanting to go to the Naval Academy. And I thought, well, I can go to the Naval Academy and, you know, Uncle Sam can help me become a doctor. And so I'm a senior in high school. It's December. <clears throat> and the day before this officer from the Navy was coming to my house to interview me to go to the Naval Academy, I, 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 I was praying and I had this sense that God wanted me to kind of become a pastor or a preacher. And I'm like, and I was just like, I was like, I don't know what to do. Do I call this guy and not have him come? I could met, I was like sitting here 17, 18 years old thinking I'm about to mess my life up because I don't know what to do because I've got two conflicting options. Apparently, that's how they looked to me at the time, you know, barreling down at me. And, and obviously I did both, right? I went to the Navy and then I became a pastor. And, you know, there was a time once I became increasingly clear that God did not want me to spend a career in the military, I became like, well, gosh, am I wasting these nine, or at that time it's probably eight, seven and a half, eight years. Am I going to waste the next seven and a half, eight years of my life because I messed this up and I didn't do what I should have done and go, go to the college I should have gone to, majored in what I should have majored in so I could go work in the church field? I mean, and so it was all this pressure, and it was through this process that God helped me understand something, that the will of God is much greater than the decisions we make, that the will of God is much more than just getting directions like you might get directions if you're lost and you pull into some convenience store in the country and ask some old timer, hey, can you help me get unlost? Because a lot of times that's what we want, right? We just want to pull in, hop out, Run up to the counter and say, hey, can you help me find, you know, Highway 222? Oh, yeah, go down here, take a left, take a right, and you'll run right into it. That's what we really want. I would just say, God, this process of hearing from God has a much larger goal in mind. And that's why we need to know what the primary evidence of God's guidance is. And before I tell you what it is, I'm going to kind of talk about some things that it's not. But if you are under the authority and the influence and the guidance of God, there is a primary characteristic that I think is evident. And it's not what you think it is. I mean, let's talk about some faulty evidence that, hey, this is God. Most people, when they say God has spoken to me, will list one of these things. They'll say things like a voice or an impression. And I do believe God gives impressions that pass through our our minds. I do believe God can speak in ways that have voice-like qualities. 
Yet in the New Testament, we're told to test those things. Test, it's called prophecy. We're told to test prophecy. So we're told that a voice can at times be unreliable or be deceptive. Others of us, and this is probably where our world is today, and I see a lot of Christians say, hey, I just don't have a peace about it, or, or I felt really good about it. And we've made our feelings the number one way of determining if it was God or not, or if we should do something or not. Like our feelings are infallible. Like our feelings never messes up. Like our feelings are completely perfect. Go back and read the first sin. Adam and Eve, Adam or Eve looked at the fruit and she saw that it was pleasing to the eye. She felt like it was good. And the world got messed up. Go back and read Jesus in the garden of Gethsemane. He wasn't feeling it. He was so stressed out, there was blood coming out of his sweat pores. An actual medical condition for people that are in high states of anxiety. Yet what did he say? Not what I will, but you, God, because he'd become indifferent to anything but God's will. And he's like, I can't trust my feelings. If you lean on feelings, I promise you, I promise you, you are so susceptible to delusion and deception. Feelings are, are terrible locomotives. They're a caboose. So you got to pay it. So, but but then I'll, I'll hear, well, I just felt a peace about it. All right, other people, a guaranteed result or an open door. If I just knew how it would work out, <clears throat> God says, I'll be a light unto your path. You'll know enough to take one step. He doesn't necessarily shine the light to the end of the path or an open door. A lot of people, hey, this door opened, this door closed. Jonah's running from God, and guess what? He found an open door. He got on a ship to Tarshish, heading to Spain, 180 degrees opposite of where God wanted him to go. So just because there was an open door doesn't mean that's God's voice or God saying something. What about approval from other people? We've talked about this. We want, <clears throat> we want people to applaud us. We want people to agree with us. So Adam agreed with Eve when she took the fruit. He was standing right beside her. The crowd says, hey, would you release Barabbas instead of Jesus? The crowd approved of Pilate's decision. So this is fallible too. And then a lot of us, it's, it's got to make sense to our brain. It's got to be logical or common sense or, or, or kind of intuitive or whatever. And yet over and over, the Bible says things like this, lean not on your own understanding, which means don't trust in your common sense because God, God's ways are not your ways. God's ways are higher than your ways. So all I want you to hear is I hear all the time people telling me, uh, this is how they have heard from God or not heard from God. And I'm like, this is not the, the number one primary evidence that God is guiding you. Because all of these things in Scripture were cautioned against going with these things as the deciding, verdict-giving evidence that God wants you to go right. Oh, because I felt a peace about it. Or I voted and all my family said, go right, go right, go right. Or, or it just made sense to me. Go right, go right, go right. I'm just telling you this is faulty, non-biblical. Yes, God can give you feelings of peace. Yes, there can be voices, but that's not primary. What's primary? So David is waiting all day long for God, and he says, Remember, Lord, your compassion and your faithful love, for they have existed from antiquity. David is in touch with God. And then he goes and he says, 
Do not remember the sins of my youth or my acts of rebellion. In keeping with your faithful love, remember me because of your goodness, Lord. I will tell you the primary evidence that you are under the influence of the guidance and the direction of God is you become more aware of God. You become more aware of God, like his attributes. God, you're good. I'm not. You become more aware of his compassion and his mercy and his salvation. See, all the pressure, hey, I got to make the decision. I got to make the decision. And God's like, "I, I want you to get clear about who I am. That's the primary evidence that God is guiding and influencing your life and influencing your choosing and your direction is that you become more aware of him and who he is. And you also become more aware of your sins <coughs> and your need to lean on him, not on yourself. It says, the Lord is good and upright. Therefore, he shows sinners the way. He leads the humble in what is right and teaches them his way. I would circle the word sinner. I would circle the word humble. And it says this, and the Lord's ways show faithful love and truth to those who keep his covenant or in relationship with him, who keep his covenant and decrees. Lord, for the sake of your name, for who you are, forgive my iniquity or my sins, for it is immense. Who is the person who fears the Lord? He will show him the way he should choose. Look, humble, teachable, fears the Lord. Now, what does fear the Lord mean? Does it mean we're scared of God? It means basically we're scared of straying away from God. We don't want to do anything that God's not with us, that God's not for us. We're scared of moving or doing anything apart from God. So, so here's what you see happening to David as he's praying this prayer of, of, of discernment and direction is that God becomes more clear and more valued. And David grows more humble, more dependent, and more repentant. So if we really want to become teachable, if we want to really want to become people who hear from God, God becomes more clear and more valued. And we become humble, dependent, and repentant. We value God for who he is, not what direction he can point us. We value God's character. We're more clear that he is reliable. He's gracious. He's compassionate. And we become more teachable. And then the fruit of this The fruit of this is we get the ability to discern and detect the voice of God, the path and the direction. So the real question might be rather this question. As in my current state of mind, my current heart condition, am I the kind of person that can detect, discern the voice of God? So if God is only a 911 phone call to you and you never pick up the phone to know him, it will be harder to hear him in a stressed, anxious, confused, chaotic, fallen world where there's all these different radio signals to pick up on. But if we're willing to be taught if we're willing to wait for God all day long, the fruit of that is clarity and discernment. Now, I want to say this as an area of caution, okay? When we choose to walk with God or step in His direction or decide His will, 
it will require courage and ongoing dependence. See, a lot of us want God to tell us, hey, this is who you marry, and this is the job you take or the college you go to, and then we don't want to depend upon God for how we do college or how we do marriage or how we do our careers. God, just point, I'm, I'm good, I don't need you anymore. No, no, no. It's always going to require courage and ongoing dependence, always. So in my life, <clears throat> the major decisions that I've made or Beth and I have made were those decisions of left or right. It doesn't say, I can't find a verse, God. Uh, how, how does this work? Okay, listen. Have always resulted, always resulted in more opposition, have always resulted in, in, in uh, nervousness and fear, have always had people who uh, didn't agree, have always had uncertainty, and have always kind of gone against common sense. So if you want God to make sense for you, if you want God to make it easy for you, it, then you probably don't want God because walking with him will require dependence and courage. But I will say this, I think walking with God, being guided by God is the best way to live. The joy, the adventure, the excitement, the reward of God, it, it far outweighs the other stuff. So when we're leaning into God and when we want to be taught by God, our God awareness goes up, our self-reliance goes down. Our God awareness goes up. We see that with David remembering who God has been from antiquity. In other words, my circumstances have not changed who God is. That's important. The decision I'm facing does not change who God has been from everlasting to everlasting. So my God awareness goes up. My self-reliance goes down. I'm a sinner. I'm humble. I fear. I, I'm, I, need to, I'm, I need you to teach me. I'm teachable. And then we're poised to receive some combination of the Word of God, the Bible, plus the Spirit of God impressing something upon our mind. And that impression that aligns with the Word of God is clear, is authoritative, and, and takes on a conviction. And by conviction, here's what I mean. By conviction, I, I mean I will do this even if I get punished for it. By conviction, I mean I believe in this. I believe I must go in this direction. I, I believe if I don't do this, I am disobeying God. It's not the conviction of having a personal preference met. It's the conviction of walking personally with God. Now, oftentimes when these things come, there's some supporting evidence. Most of us want the supporting evidence to be the primary evidence, but the supporting evidence are things like providential circumstances, uh, some godly confidants, some, your, your, your small group, people of prayer, people of biblical wisdom, affirm how you're thinking, affirm how you're praying, affirm those kinds of things. And then I'll tell you something else. For in my case, in my story, every time that I've kind of had one of those gray area decisions that I, hey, God, left, right, left, right, I don't know what to do. When I did get this, the supporting evidence was always opposition. Always had people say, I don't, I don't agree with you. Always had people opposing the decision or the direction I was moving in. And, and so I, I really believe if you're moving with God, uh, there's going to be some people or a, a satanic force that will oppose you. 
I, I see that in Scripture over and over and over and over and over again. Every time in the Gospel of Luke, every time Jesus goes to a new geographic territory, there's always an exorcism because he's moving into Satan's territory, right? So I think we should expect opposition and then trust that greater is he who's in us than he who's in the world. So this happens. And then once we start walking, we need more and more dependence upon God. We need more, not less. A lot of us want, us want God to give us a path that requires us not to need God. Hey, God, I'll go this way. Thank you. See you again. I'll be back. I'll call 911 if I need you. God doesn't do that. Remember, he's not counselor. He's not advisor. He's personal God. He's personal Lord. He's your king. He's my king, as well as the king of the cosmos and the universe. So, as we close, before we focus on making the right decision, put the focus on God. Be right with God, in covenant with God by the blood of his son, Jesus. And know this, that if he gave his son for you so that you could be in a right relationship for him, he will give you the clarity that you need to take the next step in your journey and adventure of being a follower of his son. Let's pray together. God, we thank you <coughs> that right now, where we sit, you are personal, you are real, and we can be in covenant with you. Covenant because you have opened the way through the death of Jesus for us to be adopted as your sons and daughters, and we thank you for that. So that means, God, as sons and daughters, we can come to you as a good father and say, God, show us the way, show us the path. So God, right now, find us humble, find us teachable, find us with a healthy, reverent fear of you, God. Not fear of punishment because perfect love casts out fear, but fear, God, of doing anything apart from you, anything, God, that offends your holiness, anything that would violate our covenant of love with you. So God, in that position of humility, depending on you, dependence upon you, and having a healthy biblical fear of you, God, we're ready to receive whatever you have for us and to tell you, God, that wherever you lead, we'll go. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen.